Earlier this week, I had breakfast with my colleague Jennifer Maloney. Jennifer, I have a little breakfast of champions here. I have a can of Pepsi. (laughs) I have Lay's classic potato chips. I have Cheetos. Yum. I don't usually eat chips for breakfast, but I figured it was appropriate because Jennifer has been reporting lately on PepsiCo, the big food and beverage conglomerate that makes everything from Lay's potato chips to Sabra hummus. And of course, Pepsi-Cola. Now that we've got that out of the way, I'm just going to have a sip here of this Pepsi. You got to wash it down. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I haven't had a can of Pepsi in a long time. This is good. It tastes good, but it probably goes without saying that snacks like these aren't very healthy. And for years, PepsiCo had been pivoting away from them. But now, the company is pivoting back and going big on things like chips and soda, this time with a twist. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, May 3rd. Coming up on the show, why PepsiCo is doubling down on junk food. In the early 2000s, there was a lot of pressure on big food and beverage companies like PepsiCo to prioritize healthy food. Here's our colleague Jennifer. This was a period when local and federal governments around the world were starting to take a closer look at crafting policies to address obesity and diabetes, heart disease. And they were increasingly adopting sugary beverage taxes, also known as soda taxes. And there was a a shift that was underway uh, among consumers toward more health-conscious choices in what they ate and drank. Like, remember First Lady Michelle Obama's push to make school lunches healthier? Here she is in 2009 on Sesame Street. What does Mrs. Mrs. Obama want to do today on Sesame Street? Well, I'd like to have a healthy lunch at Hooper's store. Oh, well, if Mrs. Obama wants a healthy lunch, Alma wants a healthy lunch, too. Other food companies like Kellogg's, General Mills, and McDonald's were leaning into healthier products, pushing foods with less salt, more whole grains, and even salads. And so was PepsiCo. Indra Nui, the company's CEO at the time, went big on healthy products. Indra Nui decided quite boldly, we're going to change this company from a soda and potato chip company into a much more healthful food company. So she set out to shift the portfolio, the product portfolio of the company, away from soda and potato chips and Cheetos toward things like hummus and yogurt, naked juice, things that had more nutritional value. Hmm. What was really sort of remarkable was this commitment. She said we were going to actually shift the amount of revenue that we generate away from potato chips and soda toward these more healthful things. Nui even reorganized the company into three health-focused product groups. There was Good For You, which was oatmeal, yogurt, hummus, orange juice. There was Better For You, which was like baked Lay's. 
or Diet Pepsi. And then there was Fun For You, which is classic Lay's and full sugar Pepsi. So much fun. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't bad for you. It was fun for you. So the way they framed it was, those are treats, right? That's not necessarily like your main source of nutrition. It's something that you have as a treat. She also at the same time started a project to lower the salt and sugar and saturated fat in the potato chips and the soda. So she was doing both. But the strategy wasn't a home run. When Nui retired in 2018, 27% of PepsiCo's revenue came from products the company considered nutritious. But overall, the company's sales were trending down. There was this big question about, like, how much of the population really wants to move in this direction? It wasn't clear initially. She did shift the portfolio of the company somewhat toward nutritious foods, but then kind of hit a wall, like stalled in that progression. So she had mixed success. Certainly, like, there have been changes in consumer preferences, but soda didn't die. Like, people still really like soda, and potato chips are still very much alive and well. So let's talk about the person who took over after Indra Nui. Uh, Introduce us to the next CEO and what he thought of this strategy. PepsiCo's CEO's name is Ramon LaGuarta. He's from Barcelona in Spain. He joined PepsiCo in 1996, and he rose through the ranks of the European operations of PepsiCo. Jennifer recently met LaGuardia at PepsiCo's headquarters, just north of New York City. Can you, would you mind helping, helping us to get in? Yes. I'll have my badge upstairs. You go first. Thank you. Thank you. This is my desk. This is my office. This is a nice view. Can I take a picture of your view? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'll take yeah, this, picture. this is the view. That's not a bad view. Not a bad view. When LaGuardia took over in 2018, PepsiCo had been underinvesting in the snacks business. He says that what he saw was that the company was performing fine, but he thought that it could perform better. And what Ramon decided was that it really needed to make some very big investments in order to grow, in order to grow its revenue. Like it it needed to build more uh, manufacturing lines And it needed to buy more trucks. It needed to invest more in research and development. It needed to invest more in advertising and marketing. It needed to put a lot more money in in order to sort of get the machine up and running and like spit out and deliver as many potato chips as possible. So far, this strategy of investing heavily in the more profitable snack foods that consumers want to buy seems to be working. PepsiCo's revenue climbed 34% during LaGuardia's first four years on the job, between 2018 and 2022. Though some of that increase is because the company raised prices amidst steep inflation. LaGuardia is still trying to grow sales of nutritious products like oatmeal. But he also said there's a way the company could make people healthier while also selling more soda and chips. He felt that he could make a bigger impact on public health on improving public health if he accelerated this project to make their core products like the full sugar Pepsi and the classic Lay's a little less bad for you. And it's a principle of management I have always, which is big changes to big things for big impact. I can launch small little brands or I can take Pepsi, which is a if you take retail sales values, $10 billion around the world, and I can change Pepsi, right? And I can make Pepsi 
Pepsi full sugar, make it from 150 calories to 100, and then focus the, comp the brand in Pepsi Zero. That's a massive change to the amount of sugar that gets consumed in the world. His basic view was that people are going to enjoy these products. Like people love potato chips and they love soda and they're still going to consume them. And these brands have such a huge global reach that we can affect many more lives in a positive way if we make these products less harmful by bringing down their sodium and their saturated fat and their sugar. But how do you make chips and soda with less salt and sugar taste good? That's next. Under Ramon LaGuardia, PepsiCo is trying to reformulate its best sellers, the salty, sugary products, without affecting how they taste. How is it possible to make a Lay's potato chip with less sodium or a can of Pepsi soda with less sugar? Through a lot of experimentation. And I love this kind of geeking out on these things, but... For example, to take the sodium down in a potato chip, you can do so many different, you can try so many different things. You can change the shape of the salt crystal. Like a traditional salt is sodium chloride, but you can replace some of it with potassium chloride. One of the coolest things I heard was that PepsiCo actually has this agricultural research station in Wisconsin. And for years, they've been developing different varietals of potatoes, including potatoes that naturally have a saltier flavor without any extra sodium in them. And how do they determine if what they're making tastes good? Well, they have professional potato chip tasters. They're called the sensory panel. What are some of the criteria that they use to judge a potato chip? So the sensory panelists, they rate an unseasoned potato chip on 27 attributes. And they include flavor notes like cardboardy, painty, earthy. What is the flavor of the oil? Painty? Yeah. <laughs> does, the, does the potato have a green note? What does the chewed food feel like? There's actually a term for chewed food. Did you know this? It's called the bolus. I kind of I don't know that I would be able to rate uh, Lay's potato chip on that factor, but let me try. You want to try? Um, let's see here. This okay. The, the shape looks nice. It's got some nice curves and some nice bubbles. Mm. The bolus is definitely very crunchy. Very salty. It's not earthy, that's for sure. I don't know. <laughs> Is it painty? I don't know what paint tastes like, but I would assume not this. <laughs> right now in the U.S., a bag of Lay's potato chips has about 20% more sodium than the World Health Organization recommends for a bag of chips. The company's goal is to bring that down, while also making its chips more environmentally sustainable, like by switching to compostable bags. The company's also removing some sugar from Pepsi, and it's already rolled out less sugary versions in other countries. And the way they're doing this is they're, they're adding some sugar substitutes in there. So it's a combination of sugar and some other sweeteners. It's a blend. 
For instance, a regular can of Pepsi in the US has 9.4 teaspoons of sugar. But Pepsi sold in China, France, South Africa, and Mexico have only six and a quarter teaspoons. And in the UK this year, they've cut sugar all the way down to 3.7 teaspoons per can. Here's LaGuardia again. If you think about actions we're taking, a full sugar Pepsi uh, a couple of years ago, globally, was around 140 calories right, per can. Now we're moving to 70 right, in many markets. In some places, the sugar in Pepsi's fallen faster because of sugary drink taxes, which LaGuardia said he supports. One thing that Ramon LaGuardia actually encourages is regulations like the sugar tax that sort of set a bar for the whole industry so that everyone's on an equal playing field. Like, it's hard for one company to make a change if their competitors are not. What are the possible risks here for Pepsi by trying to do this, by trying to bring down the sugar and salt in its food? Well, if consumers don't like it, then you're in trouble. When I talked to food scientists and consultants for the food industry about the risks here, what they said was, number one, if you take too much salt out of a potato chip, it's like no longer a potato chip. Like, it's just not going to be good. People aren't going to like it. Or you also run the risk of, like, if you take the sodium down in your potato chip, but all your competitors don't, then people might switch to another brand. You can lose customers. What will it mean for public health if this works? I talked to global nutrition experts, and they said that this could have a positive effect on public health in the short term that it could help bring down people's consumption of sodium and saturated fat and sugar, which could have, in the short term, have a positive effect on some of these persistent problems of obesity and diabetes. However, they cautioned that in the long term, it's not really a solution because ultimately, in order to tackle these rising rates of obesity and diabetes, people have to shift away from ultra-processed foods toward whole foods like vegetables and fruits and whole grains and proteins. So it's going to take big, big policy shifts and changes in people's diets. That's all for today, Wednesday, May 3rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.